welcome to another inspirational message from Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Lucas and, and Colin and, and Tony, actually, we're all planning. So you guys come up here. We're going to sing our special rendition of Happy Birthday right now. It's very, now, I don't know if any of you out there have heard these guys sing together, but oh my gosh, you are about to be so impressed. But we're actually going to ask you to join with us. And I'm going to put the microphone out here in the middle. Colin, why don't you hold the middle? And they're going to lead us, but we're going to sing Happy Birthday to the mic shop. Happy birthday to Wow. Happy birthday. Come on. Wow. Woo! You guys. You know, when you hear uh, and see a performance, sometimes you just know when they've got it. And you guys have got it. Um, wow. Uh, we've been, like I was saying before, we've been in ministry for quite a while. We spent um, a good portion of those years with Liberty in the last, I don't know, five years or so. We've been serving a great church in Valencia, California, and it's been a wonderful season for us, learned so much, and uh, we actually just transitioned from that church about a month ago or so, and we've learned so much there, so thankful for our, our pastors and the ministry, God is doing great things, and actually we're looking forward to what God's going to continue to do there, but when God says go, you know it's time to go, and so right now we're enjoying the season. Uh, just kind of unplugging and breathing a little bit and saying, okay, God, what, is, uh, what do you have for us? And so that's kind of where our family's at. But we're so excited to be able to come hang out with you guys today. Anytime they ask if I would be willing to come and share, of course. This is like coming back. So I'm, I'm really honored to be here. And today, um, in case you didn't know, we have two sons. Uh, and they're both downstairs. Xavier just turned 11. And Zion is about to turn 10. 10 years old in just about a week or so, and it is a very depressing time for me because now both my kids are double digits, and that's scary. <laughs> it's really scary uh, for me, but uh, they're all downstairs. One of the things we really, I love to give gifts to my kids. I don't know about any of you that are parents out there, grandparents, who loves to give gifts. It's almost like when I'm trying to get the gifts, it's, it's like I never can get enough gifts. I like to watch them open them. I like the, the, the smile. I like to laugh, and you know, uh, it, like when Christmas comes around, <laughs> our, uh, our kids, especially Zion, has his list ready like three months. And it's detailed with websites and down to the point. This is, you can get it cheaper on Amazon than you can at eBay, but this will make sure you go to eBay. You're going to save a couple dollars. So he's, he's really working the system for Christmas. And I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but like I love giving those gifts. I mean... The number one gift that I got at Christmas was socks. Every year I could bank on a pack of socks. You see it coming towards, like, I know I'm getting a good five pairs at least of socks. Um, there's, I don't know, I, I like giving gifts on birthdays like Zion's. He, he gave us a list. And, you know, there's always that really great person that 
They say that it's the thought that counts. And it kind of does. You know, it's like, why, why would I want that, I don't know, Tickle Me Elmo that I asked for when I could get a, I don't know, a gift card for a flu shot at Walgreens. I mean, that's, that, thank you, I appreciate it. Um, I, I, like, I like giving gifts. I like receiving gifts too. I mean, when Desiree and I got married, we, you know, wedding gifts are a whole other world because you get some things like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. And you never expected to get it and just hits you right, you know, right in the feels. You know, you feel it. You get other gifts, you're like, thank you. <laughs> that is very nice. I love that. It's great. Thought, it's a thought that counts, of course. But then you get other gifts that you open up, and you are sure that this gift has seen at least two other weddings. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I got a waffle maker. But it was from like 1984, the year I was born. You know what I mean? It's like, so how many weddings did this peruse through up until this point? I, we were victims of regifting, And I'm sure that some of you have been regifted a few times. If you don't know what that means, it means someone got the gift and they're giving it to you. They're regifting it. Um, I was thinking about this, and over in Luke, I, I found this really interesting as I was thinking about and praying about, God, what could I share um, this Sunday, and this is kind of what kept on hitting me. I'm going to read out the message, I do believe, Luke 15, 11, if you have your Bibles. It's a long one, and we're going to, we're going to make it through it together. We're going to read the whole thing. <sighs> then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, I want right now coming to me. So the father divided the property between them, and it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. A distant country. Uh, there, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had, and after he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on uh, with a the citizen there who assigned him to the field to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs on the pig slop, but no one could, uh, would give him any. Verse 17. That brought him to his senses, and he said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he got right up and went home to his father. Verse 20. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against, uh, before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick. Bring a clean set of clothes and dress and put the family ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, then get the grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up, up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. And when the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing and calling over to one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. And he told him, your, your brother came home. Your father's ordered a feast, barbecued beef. Come on. Because he, was, uh, he has him home safe and sound. Verse 28 as we wrap it up. The older brother stalked off angry and an angry soul can refuse to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I've stayed here serving you. Never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then a son of yours who has thrown away your money on horse shows up and goes 
and you go all out with a feast. Last two verses in 31. His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this is, this is a wonderful time. We, we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and now he is found. Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come here together today. Lord, we ask God today that you would speak directly to our hearts. Lord, I ask that you would, Lord... Make me insignificant today so that you could be significant. Lord, I ask that not one person would leave this place the same way they walked in. God, speak directly to our hearts. God, change us, rearrange us, mold us, break us down, build us up, do what you need to do. You don't just have our ears today, you have our hearts. God, do what only you can do in these moments we share. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Real quick, I do want to welcome all of you watching online today on Facebook. Come on, can we welcome everyone watching on Facebook today? Let's give them a nice clap. Come on. You know, you guys could be, you know, we understand here at church that you have tons of options when it comes to your online participation with the church family. We are just honored that you would join us today, even from your home, at work, your car, whatever you're watching or listening. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so the story we just read through, uh, we have really, we have a lot of characters, but three of them I think are key. And obviously the first one that, um, that well, one of the, one of the obvious characters, the first one I want to talk to you about, is uh, the older brother. And um, he kind of has this attitude that there isn't anything that the dad has asked him to do that he has not done. He's done everything that he can do. He's done it the right way to keep him happy, to make him happy. I've worked, I've worked the family farm. I've worked the business. I've done everything. I'm always on time. I've kept the rules. I've done everything right. I mean, I've served you. I've, I've showed up to church and served. I mean, okay, I haven't just served you, but I've, I've been a slave for you. I've slaved away all this time. And I have a question, Dad, where's my big break? Where's my big party? When am I going to get some acknowledgement? When are you going to say good on me? When are you going to make some barbecued ribs for me? When is my time? I, I, I mean, come on. You, look at younger brother. You've seen his Facebook. I've seen his Instagram. I know what's really going on. And you're going to celebrate him? You're going to celebrate him for the way he's living over on Snapchat? You're going to celebrate this? How could you, Dad? How could you? Oh, you, you want me to go, go, go sit at the family table at the party? No way. No, you can keep your party. I'm not stepping foot in there to congratulate him on living a life that's done nothing but hurt us, hurt the family, and caused you pain. No thanks, Dad. Essentially is what's happening. Watching this little fit from the older brother here take place. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm convinced we, we want to focus on the lost younger brother, but I'm convinced that the older brother is just as lost as the younger brother. Um, because life is all about pursuing Jesus, right? It's all about pursuing this relationship with the Father, and love is expressed through its pursuit. And I don't know, I mean, just a side point, I don't know of anybody in this room or any other room across the country that has made their love for God a little too obvious. Love is expressed through its pursuit. And I just want to say it is possible to pursue Christianity and still miss Jesus. 
to, to pursue volunteering in a church and still miss Jesus, to sing a couple songs and still miss Jesus, to show up every single week and still miss It is possible to pursue religion and still miss the relationship behind the religion. It is, it is possible, and I believe that that's what we're seeing here with the older brother. He's done it all right. I, I, give, I, I pay tithe, I, I, I serve, I vacuum, I, I, sit, I, I did it all right. I've said everything right and I've done it right. Is there anything wrong with all those things that he's done right? No. But it is possible to do the right thing with the wrong motive and the wrong attitude. So we have this older brother that's kind of just upset because he's done it the right, I've done everything I need to do. But it's still, it's still not enough. Instead of focusing on what the father had already given him, the older brother starts side-eyeing the father because of how he treats his lost little brother. I just want to say, I mean, obviously not in, at Liberty Church, but sometimes in church we make the mistake of letting our younger or those lost brothers and sisters meet the older brother instead of meet the father. We, we make the mistake of, instead of making this grand introduction where we're introducing them to the relationship with their father, instead sometimes they get a relationship with the older brother. And I, I've seen it time and time again that people that haven't yet started their journey with God and maybe they decide not to, they often do, they lose that desire for the relationship with God because of the response towards them of those that have already been found. They've been doing it right. Listen, let's just, there's, there's nothing wrong with a lost person. There's nothing wrong with someone who doesn't know Jesus. The only thing wrong with them is that they don't know Jesus. And so we have to be careful of, of who we introduce uh, those searchers and those that are broken that are, finding, are trying to find an answer. Who are we going to introduce them to? An angry older bro- brother that's upset at the celebration of the lost becoming found? We're going to introduce him to the loving arms of the Father. The second person that we, that we want to talk about this morning as we're jumping in here is the younger brother. The younger brother, as the story starts, he, he, has, this, he has this view. Um, he views his relationship with the Father as, what can I get? I mean, the older brother a little bit too, right? But we see it so clear with young, what can I get from this? So, Father, I want what is coming to me. You owe me my inheritance. Give it to me now. About a a third of his his father's wealth. I want what's coming to me, and I want it now. Listen, you you can take your rules. You can take your family. You can have it all back. Give me what is mine. We have this younger brother that wants what's his. You can have your family back. Here, I give it to you. Now give me what's mine. And both these brothers have a relationship with their father that is focused and that is, it revolves around me. It's about me. It's about me. Say, well, the older brother stayed there and he served his father, but it looks like he did it for himself. We have this relationship that's focused off of me. And in Colossians 1.27, it says, Christ 
in you the hope of glory. See, this is what, if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, what I hope that we get to the point is, is that we don't live this way to get something. We live this way because we have something. I don't live this way so I can get something from God. I live this way because I have something from God. He's not some distant force off in Never Neverland. No, he's right here. He's close. And we have to, we have to get back to living because we have something. And the, the last person is obviously the father. The father. The, the, the influence of, of dads have a profound impact and effect on people here on earth. Obviously, for all the moms and grandmas, you have a great impact as well. But the story shows the impact that a father can really have. And I really believe that the enemy, I've been working with students and young adults for a very long time. And I really believe the enemy wants this generation growing up with an orphan spirit. Um, the, a fatherless generation. They, so here's some statistics just, uh, just to prove that point. That there's 70% of people, um, 70% of people incarcerated come from a fatherless home. 71% of students in California that drop out of high school are from a fatherless home. There's, a, there's this cry in the next generation for fathers. There's a cry in this nation for fathers. Scripture says there are a lot of teachers but not enough fathers. And Jesus gives us a glimpse of the, the characteristics of Father God through this story. And I want to show you four that I think, that I think will bless you today. The, the first one is this is that the father had compassion. The father had compassion. You know, it's kind of the idea that, you know, if you stay up in between like 11 and, and 3 or 3.30 in the morning, you're going to get hit with a late-night infomercial. I mean, whether it's OxyClean or whatever, you're going to get hit with one. You know, the cleaning specialist. It's all going to happen, and you're going to say, maybe... I need this for my carpet or my clothes. Maybe I need this for my carpet. And, and so you're going to hit with these late night infomercials, but there's always one that, that I saw growing up, but it was, it was sponsor, sponsor a child in this nation with 50 cents a month. You can feed them for 90 days or whatever, whatever it is. And I was like, wow. Man, that's so bad, right? I hope someone does something about that. And we, and we turn the channel. Uh, it, or, man, that's, so, that's just so heartbreaking. I have so much, I have so much compassion. But th that's not compassion. Love with, without action is called feeling sorry for somebody. Love, real love, biblical love is always, it's in motion. It's always moving towards the person or the situation. Love is an action. It's an action. Anyone can feel sorry for somebody, but the father heart of God is to do something about it. Okay, words are good, but they're cheap. Intentions are great, but they're cheap. Conversations are needed, but they're cheap. Posts on Facebook are neat, but they're cheap. All of these things are untrustworthy unless they result in an action. Love needs to produce action. Otherwise, it's not compassion at all. Actions are expensive. And actions will always be intention. See, 
what you do is always more powerful than what you said you were going to do. What you actually do is always more powerful than what you intended to do. Why? Because actions are powerful. Actions are expensive. That is love moving forward. For God so loved the world that he had a conversation about it. For God so loved the world that he wanted to do something. For God so loved the world that he made a really long post and it had a hundred likes about it. No, for God so loved the world that he did something about it and he gave. So, so the father we, we see here, the first characteristic of a loving God in your life is this, is that the father will always have compassion in your life. Always. His love is always moving towards you and not away from you. If you bought in the idea that God's too mad at you or too, no, God's love is always moving towards you. The second one that we want to pay attention to is that the father not only had compassion, but the father had faith. The father had faith. The, the, the father understood that the whole situation, it only takes one moment for everything to change. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand, son, I understand people that work for me, I understand that it all looks really bad, but it only takes one moment for everything to change. So I would say this to you today, friends, keep bringing your grandkids to church. Keep inviting your son to church. Keep inviting that neighbor. Keep on reaching out to that coworker because there is a powerful thing that happens in a moment. Everything can change. And faith, we know, has two primary uh, components found in 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says this, We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. There's a lot of things in your Christian walk maybe you don't feel like you can do, but you can believe. Amen. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for 30 minutes. You might not be able to think you can do some of the stuff that you see other Christians doing. But, friends, you can believe. You can believe. This is what I really love about the Father. As he watched daily for his son to come home, I guarantee you that the Father didn't just believe he would come home. I guarantee you he didn't just sit back and say, well, one day he, he could do it. He could do it one day. It could happen. I guarantee you that he would wake up and he would say, one day my son is coming home. He didn't just believe it, but he had faith. He was believing and he was speaking. He was believing that God could do it in his family. We say, well, you're crazy for believing this. But, friend, I would just encourage you today to start focusing on what God can do in your family. Don't give up. All things really are possible. No matter what the situation is looking like, he is for you. He is able. He is faithful. If he did it for somebody else, he can do it for you. In reality, how many of us are sitting here today because someone had faith and wouldn't give up on you? Faith, the Father. He had faith. Maybe you, you in here today, maybe you, you are believing and standing in faith for a lost person in your family or on your street corner or someone you see at the gym. I would encourage you today to always point and believe on who they can be, what God can do in their life. Start seeing them the way God sees them. 
as someone that really matters in the eyes of God. No matter how dirty you might think they are, no matter how much how rude they are, how mean they were on that post, start believing that God, God, you can do something here. And God, you see them as someone that matters to you. So the father, he had compassion, but the father also had faith. The third thing the father had is he had a vision. The father had had vision. He had every reason to lose the vision, to lose his vision for his family, to lose his vision for his son, to lose the vision that he had for his life. But the father did not. Proverbs 29, 19 says this. Where there is no vision, people perish. See, vision, it's a, it's a, it's a, a bridge between where you're at right now and where you're going to be later. It's a bridge between what you're going through presently and where you'll be in the future. And what I found in life is that whether you are 15 or if you are 60, if you do not have a vision for your life, you will live your life living in the peripheral. If you don't believe me, check out Facebook. Hmm? If you don't have a vision for your life, you will be too worried about what's happening on your right and what's happening on your left. See, this dad had so much vision for his life, he didn't have time to argue with people at work. Why? Because he had a vision. He didn't want to get mixed up what's happening on his left and what's happening. We get caught up with so many things in life, worrying about them and fighting for them that really have zero significance to where God wants us to go. But because we don't have a vision, we get stuck right there. Come on, friend, you got to get a vision for your life. You have to. And so this son... He, he's talking with his father, and he's demanding that he gets what's his. And he's, he wants his money. He wants his stuff. And you can keep your family. I want nothing to do with this. And the son goes to Vegas. He's living it up on the strip, basically. Spending like crazy, partying like crazy. Scripture kind of describes it as wild living. And he's out there getting wild. Ah! I mean, he's just, he's getting crazy out there. There's nothing he hasn't tried, nothing he hasn't done, and he's just blowing his inheritance away. He wastes everything, and now he's hurting. He's, he's wasted it, and now he's, he's hurting. And we've, in our life, I mean, I think that we can all level with the sun a little bit because the reality is, is that we're all a few bad decisions away from being just as lost as the sun. A few wrong turns. We're all a few bad decisions away from eating with the pigs just like he was. A bad judgment. A slip here. Something happens in our marriage and our finance. We made a move we shouldn't have made and now we find ourselves and our life begins reeling and stuck in this place in this sin that we didn't think would ever creep up again. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You're like, well, I came to church and I decided to follow Jesus, but I did not ever expect, I never imagined that I'd find myself in this place living with this kind of attitude, living with this kind of opinion, this kind of outlook. I never thought I'd find myself in this situation. I'm living, I'm living in the midst of these circumstances with this kind of mentality. I never thought I would be here. I'm bound by the weight of this decision that's continually dogging me in life. It's continually 
bringing me down, with this sin, this mistake, this mess up, this conversation that has now spiraled and the synergy of sin is just keeps on gaining momentum. And, and usually our first response is, I've got to do something and I've got to try harder to get control. And so we begin to look around and see what we can, what we can move, what we can do. What can I do to fix it? What kind of, what, what do I need to show my boss? What do I need to show my husband? What do I need to show my kids? What do I need to do for my, my boy? What do I need to do? And so we try to move things around and I'll try harder. We do our best, but that the sin is there to, and the, the synergy that keeps on gaining momentum is there to overwhelm us and make us feel like we can't overcome it. And so we find that our hope and our peace is only as strong as what it's anchored to. And we are stuck in this position just like the lost son where we feel constrained, confined, conflicted, constricted, all these things. And I, I can't be seen any longer. I don't feel like anyone's feeling what I'm feeling. I can't even, I can't even really relay how I feel about this anymore. I'm, I'm so far gone from where I was. No one's hearing me. I cannot be heard. I, I, I guess I, I tried a small group, but that doesn't even help. I can't be I don't even have hope anymore. I don't have a way out. I'm so overwhelmed. I tried going to my friends. I tried going around. There's nothing that I can do. I'm stuck and I'm sunk and I'm wasting away and I don't know where I'm going to do. What can I do? Where can I go? And there's really only one option. you got to go home. You've got to go home. You can never let your mess keep you from experiencing the love of your father. Like, I'm going to go home. Your friends may say you're crazy. Say, no, this is just who you are now. That's, you're always going to be addicted. That's just how it is. This is how God made you to feel that way. This is just how you're always going to be. Just be who God made you to be. Just be you. Just be you. This is how you've always been since you were a teenager. It's not going to change now. I would go ahead and say, um, just go ahead and free yourself from the responsibility to strive to live up to other people's expectations about you. And go home. There's nowhere else to go and go home. And so the son makes this decision. He begins walking, running. I don't know, he took an Uber, but he's going home. As fast as he can get there, he's moving, he's going, he's going home. He's dirty, he has no shoes, he's, he's broken, he has no hope, he has no money. This son has nothing to offer his father. He got nothing. I have nothing, I have nothing to offer. But there's... There's only one person that can, can reach in and pull you out of the mess you're in. And he's your father, your heavenly father. And I think that some of us, we just, we sing songs about how he's a good father, but we don't really know who he is. We forget about his characteristics. We forget about, about who, what he's done and where, where he's done it and how he set people. And we, we forget just who, who is your father. He's, he's the first, the last the beginning and the end. He's, he's the author of your salvation, but he's also the creator of creation. He, he always was, he always is, and he always will be. He's unmoved and also undefeated. In his death, 
he brought you life. He is risen, and he brings you power. He reigns and brings you peace. Herod couldn't kill him. Nero couldn't crush him. Armies can't defeat him. Leaders can't ignore him. The world can't even understand. See, his life is so significant that it's marked by time. Everything changed on your father's arrival. His presence is so transformational. He is the way of feeling, thinking, and he's absolute truth in its entirety. He's the fullness of life that is genuine and real. He's immovable, he's inescapable, and he's unavoidable. He alone will satisfy the need in your life. But who is your father? He's the creator of all things, yet he's personal. He knew me before I was born. The same God that says, let there be light, said, let there be you. He, he knitted me together while I was still in my mom's womb. He knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows my thoughts. He doesn't just know my thoughts, but he knows me piece by piece. He's my freedom. He didn't leave me where he found me. He doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if my back hurts, my tooth hurts, or my head hurts. He is my healer. He's above sickness. He's above disease. He is salvation, not just for one type of person, but for all people. He is my redeemer because he chose to pick up the pieces. He is peace in the darkest of nights. He is strength when I have none. He is mercy that I don't deserve. He is grace that I couldn't earn. He is hope. He is everything. When my family would turn their backs, he made me part of his family. When my friends would abandon me, he was the friend that stood closer than a brother. Whether I have a home or don't have a home, he is home. He is all that I need. He's all that you need. He is this father in this story that is so expansive that we run out of adjectives to try to explain just who he is. And this father has been out every day, same routine. Get up out of bed. Get ready. And he hits the porch. This is the day that my son cometh home. Not today. Gets up the next day. This is the day that my daughter comes home. Gets up the next day. This is the day that they are coming home. This is the day. This is, okay, not today. The next week, this is the day that they're coming home. The next month, this is the day that they're coming home. The next year, this is the day that they are coming home. Ten years down the road, this is the day that they are going to come home. He watched every day. Looked out towards the hill to see if his son was coming home. He looked every day. I'm patient sometimes. I'm definitely not that patient. Every day, same routine. Brush his teeth, take a shower, put on whatever he's putting on. He just goes and watches everyone saying that you're kind of losing it. Sir, you're kind of losing it, Pops. Like I, he took his money and he bounced. Like he's not coming back. Get over it. We're all over it. We've moved on. And they had normal family function, but something was missing. His son was gone, and he was waiting for him to come home. Every day he went out and looked, hoping that today would be the day. But this one day, he looks off in the distance, and he sees his boy. 
he sees his child, he sees his son, or he sees his daughter, he sees his child, and he looks and he sees, he saw him in the distance. This might be one of the coolest realities in all the New Testament. He sees you in the distance. See, today I'm not just thanking God and praising God that he saved me, he gave me eternal life, or that he healed me, that he brought me out, but I'm praising God today that he sees me. He sees you today, whether you are in between spaces in your relationship with Christ, or if you are, you've been out doing your own thing and wandering home, he, he sees you, and scripture says this, that his heart begins to pound. He sees his boy He's overwhelmed with joy and passion. And the father does something that he doesn't have to do. It would have been enough for the father to stand. But scripture shows us that the father takes off running towards the hill. Takes off running towards the boy. And I I can see him running. And if I was that son, maybe in the distance, I'm walking up feeling broken and a failure. I've dishonored my family. I've dishonored my father and coming back. I can't imagine the amount of fear and anxiety that this son was feeling coming back home. What's dad going to say? What's my brother going to say? I don't no, I was with the family for a long time. And I left it all, and I've, I've embarrassed them, but I've embarrassed myself. Can't imagine the amount of fear that hit his heart when he saw his father running like a madman in his direction. If it was me, I could see as the father's coming close, I'd brace myself. Mad at me. But I'll take the anger. I'll take it. But this is all I have left. I just imagine him standing there bracing himself for impact. Instead of feeling the crushing blow of an angry dad, he feels the embrace of a loving father. Being overwhelmed with the, the embrace and flooding him with kisses all over his head, I can imagine. He wasn't embraced with anger. He's embraced with love. Scripture tells us that the son then begins to, after this embrace or during it, begins his grand speech of, Dad, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I know what I said. And I know that I took everything, and I know I said I don't want to be a part of your family, and I gave the family back to you. I know that I said that I don't want to be connected to you. I, I, I don't, listen, I'm okay with not being your son anymore. You don't even have to call me your son. I'm okay with all that. Could I just, would it be cool if I just came here and worked? Could I just, like, show up and do stuff for you? Could I go pick up? And, and could I just, like, get a, could I just, and Scripture tells us that the father wasn't even listening to his grand speech. Father wasn't even hearing the words that, that the son was saying to him. And again, he does something he doesn't have to do. 
guilty by law because the lost son wasted his inheritance. He wasn't even allowed back to the family. Number four, the father's love breaks the rules. It says, but the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants. Let's start this party. Let's make some, let's make some food. Let's, let's have the party of the year. This is, this is God's heart towards you and I today. See, this is the cool thing about our relationship with God. Is God's not intimidated by your past. But he's also not intimidated by your present. He's, he's, he deals with us right where we are. Good, bad, busted, or disgusted. Wherever you're at today, he deals with us right where we are. Right where we're at. So that he can get us where he always wanted us to go. Like where you're at right now is not where you're going to stay. This is what I love about God because he doesn't just leave you where he found you. He, he picks you back up on your feet. And takes you where he's going. He gives you, he gives you a, a new name. See, if God was mad at you, this story wouldn't be in the Bible. R- Romans, Romans 2.4 says this. In, the, in kindness... He takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into radical life change. He never leaves you where he finds you. He's saying this, son, daughter, no matter where you're at, you can trust me with your present. You can trust me with your past. You can trust me with your mistakes. You can trust me with all your your questions. You can trust me with your doubt. You can trust me with your fear. You can, you can trust me with disappointment. You can trust me with your shame. You can trust me with it all. He's not, he's not, a, he's not a, a distant force in a land far away. He's not an absentee father. He's, he's close. He is near. He's willing. He's able. God is, is dad and he's, no, he, he's waiting for you no matter where you're at. It's it's the Father that has the power to free you from a situation. It's the Father who restores hope to the family that seems lost. It's the Father that quiets the, the voices of failure, despair, and fear. It's the Father that can really help you stand back up, recover, and go forward in life. It is the Father. The Father has power to declare new identity over you and I today. And so there's three things that he does here at the end of this conversation with his son, the end of this exchange, the end of this parable, and it's so powerful. One of the first things he says, well, well the son's saying all this, oh, Dad, I, if you just forgive me, if you, just, if, if you could just let me, I mean, I'll, I'll work for you. I mean, if I could sleep in the barn or even in your truck, I mean, just let me kind of live on property. I, I'm used to sleeping with the pigs. It's not a big deal. And the father's like, okay, can someone get my son some clothes? But dad, if you could just, like if you would just let me, let me sit down on the porch. Could somebody get my son some clothes? Could, could, you, go, could you go get him some clothes? My, my child is not defined by a mistake. My, my child's not, not defined by a situation. Could, but dad, if I could just get, listen, son, No matter what's going on, I can cover you with some new clothes. Get my son some clothes. I can cover you. He gives him new clothes. Clean, new clothes. 
One of the other things he does while the, the son is still, Dad, thank you. You didn't have to give me clothes. I was fine with living with that, but thank you. But if I could, like I was saying, if I could sit down on the porch and maybe if you had some leftovers, I could do the dishes and then I could maybe, somebody get my kids some shoes. But Dad, I, that's fine. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm okay with not the shoes. I'm okay with not having shoes anymore. I'm okay with it. Can someone get, can someone get my, give it, go, go find a pair of my shoes. Give it some shoes. And they, they give the son shoes. And he's saying it's time for you to stop repeating your history and make some new history. Son, you're not going in that path any longer. You are leaving the old life behind you. Let's give you new direction. You're walking in a new pair of shoes now. Gives him some clothes and he hooks him up with some new J's. And, and the son is like, okay, that's good. Thank you for the clothes and the shoes. Thank you so much, Dad. I pr- thank you. Now, if I, like I was saying, if I could just maybe, maybe after I did dishes, maybe someone, or I don't even have to do dishes. If you have extra food, you're giving the cattle. Maybe I could just sit there. And, and, and the father looks and the last thing that his son ever gave him back was rights to the family and his inheritance. And, the father reaches and grabs the family ring and re-gifts it to him. He said, not only am I going to cover you and give you a new path, but I'm going to give you full access back like you never left before. Welcome home. You're not a mistake. You're not too lost for redemption. You know, by the power of my love, I want to redefine you. I know your friend said you were this. I know you're other person said that. I know your family has always said you'd be like your father. But I say you're going to be just like your daddy. I'm going to call you a son. I'm going to call you a daughter. He gives him, covers him, and he gives him a new path. and Gives him access to the family. You may have made a bad decision, a mistake, but friend, you're not beyond redemption today. You're not so lost today. He gets that ring and he takes it back. I love so many things about God, but I love that he just breaks all the rules for you. He breaks all the rules for me. It's like, well, it's too much for me. It's not too much for God. This time it's too big. It's too big for you. It's perfect size for God. What an amazing thing today, whether you are like the older brother or the younger brother. His love is sufficient for you today. (laughs) He wants to redefine us. Scripture says that the world is groaning and waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. The sons and daughters of Christ can't be revealed if you're still living with the old labels and the old things that everyone else said about you. If you're still wearing the old clothes that remind you of how Dirty you were. The sons and daughters of God can't be revealed if we're still walking in the same path we were before and wearing the same shoes. But ultimately, we can't be revealed until we accept the, uh, the label, accept the identity that God has placed over each and every one of our lives, a son and a daughter of God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Got a couple different 
prayers we're going to pray today. And I'll have you, one of your pastors will be up here in just a few moments. If you're watching online today, you can pray with us as well. I believe God's speaking to your heart too. Maybe you kind of feel like the older brother and find yourself in a spot where you have a hard time celebrating the lost ones coming home because you've been doing it right for so long. I believe that that God wants to remind you of who you are again today. Another broken son and broken daughter that has come home. Perhaps you feel like the younger child today. There's three different things really that I want to touch on. First would be this, is that you've been, you haven't accepted the new clothes. You haven't allowed God to really cover you. You still look back at all the things you did and you said and always remind of this condemnation and this reminder of how bad I really am. I can never go forward from this, but today you're like, Mark, I, I want to accept those new clothes and let God cover me. Or maybe today you've allowed God to cover you, but you've still been walking down the same path. Wearing the same shoes you did 10 years ago, reliving cycle after cycle. Like, I don't know why I find myself back at the same place. Friend, it's because you haven't started a new path. A new path. And today you're like, Mark, I, I need to start that new path. I want God to put those, those shoes Give me a new path today. Last but not least, and perhaps the most important one today would be this. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Or here you've gone for a week or two weeks, and at one time you were following Jesus with everything. And you left. We don't need to get into what happened and what you said and what you did and how bad it was, but... The reality is that you walked away. Maybe it was a result of pain or you got frustrated or someone hurt you or maybe you did the hurting. Who knows? But it's your story and you are living in this, like, I don't have, I want to come home. I've been gone for too long. Or maybe today you've never started your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You grew up thinking that God was mad at you, but friends, you have it all wrong. God is so in love with you. As you approach him, he's not standing there with arms folded with disgust towards you, but he's ready and running towards you today to embrace you and show you just how much he loves you. So today, if you haven't ever started your relationship with Christ, or maybe today you would like to start that journey again and recommit your life to him, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you. No one's looking around. That includes you just to giving the person next to you a chance to focus on. We get just to focus on Jesus and what God's doing with them. We get so distracted. Say, today I want to start that journey with, with God. Because maybe the first time or perhaps it's recommit your life again. And I count to three and invite you to raise your hand. I can pray with you. It starts with a, a prayer, but it, it really results in wearing new clothes and new shoes. 
God covering you and giving you a new path, but ultimately making you his son and his daughter. If that's you today, I'm going to count three. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. One, two, three. Come on, all over there. Yeah, God bless you on the side. Yeah, in the middle too and on the back. Yeah, three, four, five hands. Yeah, anybody else say, would you pray with me? God bless you. I see your hand too. Six of you. Anybody else say, Mark, would you pray with me? I want to, I see you too. God bless you, bro. Yeah, that's awesome. Greatest decision you can make. Anybody else say, Mark, pray with me today. Pray with me. All right, you can, I see you too. God bless you, ma'am. I see you. Wow. You can put your hands down, and we're going to say this prayer, but I'm going to ask everybody in this room, leaders, pastors, people that have been here for five years, five weeks, whatever, repeat this prayer just out of support of the people that raise their hands today. Would you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody all across the room, Lord Jesus, today I accept you into my life. Cover me. Set me on a new journey, a new path. Make me a son a daughter in your family. Thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus for me. And now, God, be my king, be my Lord, be my God, but most of all, be my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we clap for all those people that raised their hand this morning? Come on, Pastor Mercedes is going to come. Wow. Come on, can we do it a little better than that? Welcome to the kingdom of God this morning. Wow. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We always want to encourage those of you who have a story of how God is working in your life through this ministry to send us an email to amen at libertyofomaha.com. For more information on Liberty Church, visit libertyofomaha.com. Thanks for joining us and have a credible week.